Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and this summer I plan to do a second episode every week. It will be a book discussion, and our first book that I will discuss will be Dr. Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist. Of course, one of the reasons for interest on this topic of anti-racism for me is that I'm a social studies teacher. And anti-racism, which is a child of critical race theory, is the latest rage in the approach of teaching race and racial relations in social studies classrooms in America. And from a cursory understanding of anti-racism, I have some concerns, but not really about my approach in the classroom or what's going to be asked of me to teach in the classroom. But my greater concern is how is this understanding of race relations, which is very different than the colorblind approach that many people of my generation have been brought up on. So instead of just listening to the choir of agreement, I've delved into sources of disagreement. And what better source than a book that addresses both concerns, anti-racism and how to raise a child. When I first created this episode though, It got really long. Some of my episodes have been getting long recently, but this one got really long. So I divided the episode into two episodes. So sit back, relax, grab that coffee, and I hope you enjoy listening to my discussion of how to raise an anti-racist part one so much that you'll come back next week to listen to part. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. So again, welcome to your parent-teacher conference. I'm Coach Cullen, your host, and this is the first of our summer book talk series on the book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist. And to be honest, where I'm going in the next two weeks with our book studies will be two other perspectives on Kendi's work about anti-racism and his ideas in general from other black Americans. I know a lot of people would say, even me discussing this book from my experience as a white American, there's some kind of like it's invalid or it doesn't hold as much weight as Dr. Kendi who's a black man who's experienced other sides of America and experience does play a role in how we see the world but it's just one piece I mean to be quite honest the biggest piece to help us understand the world is authority we listen to some authority Dr. Kendi puts himself out there as an authority 
in a sense, me even giving this podcast, I'm putting myself out as an authority. Now, you may say, he has a doctorate degree. You have just a lowly old master's degree. And yeah, you may be right on that. But does that make what I have to say, is the truth of what I have to say based on my skin color or based on my level of education or based on my popularity? And I think we're doing a disservice to our kids if that's how we frame the argument. I think one of the biggest problems raising kids today is the fact that they quickly turn to the stars of Hollywood and the singers on the radio for their sources of truth and understanding and knowledge. Those are authorities too. And we don't turn to men. I'll give Dr. Kendi credit. You should be turning more to Dr. Kendi and listening to his views and deciding what if his views are good or true and what aren't. Because nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're going to disagree with me. And if you do, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast411, all one word, at gmail.com. Because this episode is probably going to provoke thought. In fact, I think the next two episodes will probably provoke some thought in you. And I would love to have a dialogue through email with you. And of course, if you know me personally, give, give me a ring. Chat me up on my cell phone if you have it, or text me. Some of you have done that as well. Now, if you found news through Facebook or Twitter, please feel free to retweet it or share it out to your friends. And if you think, hey, this guy Cullen makes some pretty interesting points, you, you should listen to this. Because, you know, maybe if you're a teacher, it's very heavily influenced by Kendi and the ideas of anti-racism, and you never hear there, there is another side. And despite Kendi, you're going to hear this in my discussion today, is that often Kendi dismisses any other views but his own views of anti-racism as racist themselves. It doesn't mean there aren't really good arguments on the other side that are not racist, that are looking to accomplish the same goals as Kendi, trying to fight injustice on the basis of skin color, trying to and making sure that all Americans, despite what they believe, have the same rights. And again, as a father of biracial children, this is very important to me. I don't want my daughters to get screwed by a racist person. I do not deny there are white people out there that are racist, but I do not buy into the fact that only those in power can be racist. I believe anybody who puts their skin color as objectively greater than somebody else's skin color as a racist. And it doesn't matter. They're, if they're not in control of government, they're in control of that situation right there. They're trying to manipulate you with that idea. So right there, there is a power dynamic. Even within that discussion where somebody is holding a view and will be quick to call you a racist because you don't agree with them. It's not that you're racist or not. And that itself can be a power imbalance. So I guess sometimes the definition does work. It's just depends on how you see that power imbalance. But like I said, if you have a friend who needs to hear this, if you're a teacher or even a parent, you're like, hey, this guy makes some good points that I haven't heard before. Please feel free to share out the podcast with them. And that's going to be the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. It can be found on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, 
um, Podcasts, um, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So let's start our talk about the book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. A few years ago, I did read the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by the same author. And I've also done some episodes on this similar topic where I may have brought up some of the ideas of that book, either explicitly or implicitly. And those two episodes are Check Your Bias, which I produced last May, and Balkanizing the Classroom, which was an episode from last June. So if you want to take a listen to those episodes as companion episodes to this, that would be, that would be probably a good thing to do. So in his book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, I felt Kendi, it was just an extension really of how to be an anti-racist rather than a how-to guide. I, I think that's the first thing if you get a copy of this book, if you buy one or like I did, I picked it up at the library. Uh, it's The title implies that Kendi is going to give you a step-by-step guideline. And what you realize very quickly is that Kendi himself is a new dad. So it's going to be difficult for him to say, here is what I do with my child, even if he wants to go down that route, because that's pretty personal in itself. But you would think that someday, maybe 10 years from now, Kendi may readdress this book with actual practical implications of what he did raising his child. And I appreciated that Dr. Kendi shared the roller coaster ride of becoming a new dad and, and even the medical condition that arose in his pregnant wife. You know, I, I think it gave him like realism. He was expressing the joys, the fears, the trials, the tribulations in becoming a parent. And even to the point of the delivery, how tense that can be. And it made him a real person. It, it made him didn't, how can I say it? Of course, I'm considering how to say it because I want people to judge me. Go, ooh, how? Because I want to say the word. It, it brings him down from being a doctor, and I'm not showing him any disrespect here. I and I hate the fact that I have to even explain this to people, but I'm not trying to show him disrespect. And I think he would probably listen, and chuckle, and say, "I agree with this guy." I mean, it by explaining, "Hey, I'm a doctor. I'm a best-selling author. I go around the country making these lectures." But you know what? When it comes to the birth of my child. I'm just like all of you. And I had the same joys, the same concerns in the in the point of the delivery room and the point of, you know, worrying about my wife if you had to experience that. And it made him more real. It made him to be an everyday guy experiencing the same trials and tribulations all of us dads did. And that's regardless of skin color. So I appreciated how he started the book with that realism that many of us have experienced. Now, the other thing I would say is often I would read the book and a difference that I would have with Kendi really isn't a difference at all. He would say things that I would be full in agreement to, that issues that black Americans are facing, solutions that I would agree with, but where he would call it anti-racist, I would call it being colorblind. And that's a point of contention you're gonna hear throughout this discussion is, Kendi would not want you to use the word colorblind. According to Kendi and others like him, by saying you're colorblind, you're denying that there are any discrepancies or any 
injustices that have been embarked on in terms of a person's skin color. And I wouldn't define it like that. I would say when you're when somebody says that they're striving to be colorblind, they're seeking not to judge a person. It's the old Martin Luther King Jr. line. To be judged on the content of your character rather than the color of your skin. There is the ideal we are striving for, and that's what is the essence of being colorblind is to me. Now, you may disagree with that, but that's what I'm instilling in my own children, you know, how to raise a cullen. You know, if I, I read a book like How to Raise a Cullen, that's what I'm teaching my daughters. And when I look at their set of friends, they don't share the same colors of skin, nor do they judge them on the color of skin. Even the kids they don't like. When my daughter will, you know, when she was younger, she scratched the faces off of some kids that were giving her a tough time. When I asked why, my daughter sometimes would share of something that child did to her, which, you know, as a parent hurt me. But she also shared that some of those kids with their faces blackened out were because they didn't treat a friend or even a person that isn't really a friend of hers, just that they didn't treat other people well. Not once did she say anything about skin color. And then there were some kids that had just the word okay next to them. And she said, I go, what does that mean? They're okay. She goes, they're okay. You know, I'm not friends with them, but if we have to get together in a grouping class or I see them in the hallway, they might smile. She's judging them on their character, not the color of their skin. We did have a little talk about um, loving your enemies and, you know, even if they are mean to always, you know, the one thing you can control is your character and how you treat them and probably scratching off their faces isn't the best approach to accomplishing that goal. But for Kendi, everything is dripping with race. Even in the introduction, which I discussed earlier, which I thought was a really good way of starting the book, expressing his experiencing the entrance into fatherhood. His wife was starting labor early. They called up the EMTs. And here, and Kendi mentions that the two EMTs that showed up were white, bald guys who took his pregnant wife to the hospital. Did it matter if they were white? I mean, what was the point of mentioning that? Even in his own description, they seemed like they were great guys. They were trying to keep his wife calm. And this is something Kendi did that he didn't appreciate in how to be an anti-racist. He talks about his dad glowingly. And he talks about the relationship his dad had with his mom. It wasn't like dictatorial. It wasn't, I'm the man, you must submit. It was a very good working relationship throughout the whole book. He's the, he shares that it's dad that you would think that he was going to say, my dad is a great example of how a man should be in a husband-wife relationship and a family relationship. To the point that he even, and it, I, I get this totally, He his father would call his wife, his Kendi's mother, his CFO. And I, I get it. My, my wife controls the bill. She controls the bank account. She does great at it. And I, I, even in car negotiation, we have to buy a car. Um, it was funny. The one time we're buying a car and the kids were little. So she 
waited outside the uh, office. We were negotiating, right? So she was waiting in a waiting area with the kids, keeping them occupied, getting them snacks, and I'm negotiating. And you know how when you're in a car negotiation, it's often the the dealer, right? He gets up and he says, um, I need to talk to um, my boss or I need to talk to financing and see if we can make that deal or give you that price. And they get up. And it's all part of the game, right? Well, in this situation, I'm the guy. I'm like, well, that's a great offer, but let me go outside and talk to my wife. She controls the finances. Let me see what she thinks. So I'm the one who's constantly getting up going, no, nah, it's not good enough and saying things. In fact, the last time I was in a negotiation, the guy flat out said, he goes, you got that for, he goes, I can admit this now since the paperwork is done. You got a really good deal on that. You're a pretty good negotiator. And it's from a good friend of mine. He told me this, and it's a great one. I'll give you a little tip here. It's not even part of the book. You walk on the lot, and the dealer goes, so what were you thinking about spending a month on a car? Look at him and say, nothing. Or even say like $1. And they're like, no, be serious. And say to them, I'm being serious. Let me ask you, for that car right there, how much are you willing to sell it to me for per month? You put it back on them because they're trying to do, obviously, and a lot of you know this already, they're trying to figure out what you are willing to spend. They, now they know if you say, I'm looking to spend $350 a month. Well, now they know, keep that number around $350. Don't give them that opportunity. Make them come to you from zero and you'll get a better deal. And there's a lot of little tricks, but that's one that a lot of you know. But if you don't, now you do. But going back to Kendi, I'm sorry that I digressed. Um, what, so he talks about his dad in glowing terms and his relationship with his mom, and then you get to the chapter on sexism, and instead of saying, look to my dad, how I've been talking about him this whole time. He should be your example of a man not being a sexist with his wife. He doesn't do that. He throws his dad under the bus. He tells, says, despite the fact I've said all this great stuff about my dad, he's still a sexist. You know, I've always shared this with my wife. She used to work in a practice, in a medical practice, where the doctor, his mother was the nurse, his father was his accountant. They were, and they were divorced. It wasn't a good divorce. And often... The people, especially the mother, which you make sense, it wasn't a good divorce. She got shafted in the deal. Um, the mother, And the father wasn't, was rarely there because you can be an accountant, obviously, and not be in the practice. So when the father's name came up, one of the nurses and the mom would, you know, rip them apart, the father apart. And there's the doctor listening. And I always remember telling my wife, whatever you do, do not say something about the doctor's father in front of him. I mean, there are some really, really bad parents. And his father, absolutely, hearing the stories, did some things that really, I mean, the reason the mom was, being, was a nurse in this practice was she needed the money because he was able to finagle it to make it look like he had nothing for support to give her for alimony. And despite that, I am sure there are many fond memories this doctor had with his father. I think this doctor would say that there are some good things in his dad that helped make him into the doctor he is today. I think all men have that feeling they, they want to impress their dad. And they, they want to do what is right by their dad. 
even difficult dads. Like, I, if you have you ever heard of the TV show Ted Lasso on Apple TV, one of the main ideas of that show is the importance of fatherhood. And it does a great job showing what a good dad should be, what a bad dad is, reconciling when it is a bad situation. But I think that feeling of a kid towards his father, like when I read it, I was repulsed. Because uh, I'm thinking, why would you throw your father under the bus for the sake of making an ideological point? I would never do that to my dad. And I felt the same way about these EMT guys, that they come in, they try to calm down the situation, they seem like great guys. He doesn't criticize them, but they're white, bald guys. You know, why mention even they were bald? I mean, using Kendi's own anti-racism, does Kendi expose his implicit baldness bias? She, he learned to be an anti-bald person. I mean, Kendi, have you ever seen Kendi? Kendi is nowhere near bald, but does he have a bias against bald people? Why mention it? Why mention they were balding? I mean, if we're going to use the lens of looking at externals and saying you have implicit bias against external features, then we're going to, then we should do it for him every single time. Because that's the rules that he wants to play with. So I think it's fair to say, using his own words, that Dr. Kendi is, has implicit bias against bald people. And in terms of using the word anti-racism, here's what Kendi writes in the book. I, Kendi, tried to construct fresh language adults can use to describe its racism effects on our world. Let me read that a little cleaner, what Kendi said. I tried to construct fresh language adults can use to describe its effects on our world. And he's talking about racism. And that's where he comes up with the word anti-racism. He, he wants to shake things up. He wants to make you think. That's why he uses the word anti-racism. And it's a great approach. It's a, as a teacher, that's what I try to do, provoke thought. But Kendi takes it too far. He takes provoking thought and turns it into accusatorial against people who don't agree with him. So it stops being, like in the words of Robin Williams when he was playing Professor Keating in Dead Poet Society, the provoking of thought is no longer, as Keating says, to make you think for yourselves again, but rather the provoking of thought in Kendi's case tends to be ones of manipulation and indoctrination. And the, the one that he uses the most, the slur that he uses the most is this, and I'm going to sum it up. This is my summary. If you don't agree with my anti-racist views that I propose in my books and my speeches, you are a white supremacist, and it doesn't matter your skin color. He throws down a word that is so repulsive to most Americans, a reality that my family had to deal with living where we once lived in New Jersey, where there was an active Klan membership. I know you don't think about this in New Jersey, but in Northwest New Jersey, there were the Klan was giving out pamphlets at this one little intersection in this small rural town every Saturday up into the 2000s. And obviously, my oldest, who was attending the schools in the next town over where we lived, were probably she was probably dealing with kids that were going home, to, and there were some of their parents were handing out those pamphlets. 
My oldest daughter had a classmate in those days that flat out said, I don't like people with dark skin. And my daughter was the only one in the class with dark skin. So I understand, like, again, and I think for me, I'm coming from a different perspective in all of this because my wife is white, I am white, my children are biracial, and we have experiences too. So we have to judge for our family what is best, and I don't believe that Kendi's is best. Let me continue on. Kendi typically throws down the term white supremacy in an expansive way as kind of like a net to capture anyone that disagrees with him. You know, it's just like when you were a kid, you would call someone stupid if they disagreed with you and what you wanted to do. Hey, that, that you're stupid. Let's go play baseball right now. I, I don't want to sit in the house and play G.I. Joe's. Come well, you're stupid, right? Remember that when you were a kid? It's name-calling. Or if you want to be a little more sophisticated, it's a logical fallacy called an ad hominem attack. The speaker is trying to inflict reputational damage rather than finding consensus. And a lot of my disagreement with the anti-racism view that is being brought in schools is that. It's the idea that instead of looking for ways that we unite, we are looking for ways that we divide. That would not work in my family. If we constantly had to find out what we can agree upon based on our skin color, it would always go in several directions, right? If we had to consider why... No, think about it from my perspective. If you keep on teaching my kid that because I'm white, I am going to think in a certain way, you're going to stereotype me. Then on times that I need to discipline my children, they are going to think, well, my teacher said that my dad is only punishing me because of my skin color. He or he is being a little dramatic about this or being overboard because he's judging me on this color of my skin. Think about how, where that places me as a parent, what kind of bind that places me in. And it's a very destructive view for my family. So now, hopefully, even if you're in disagreement, if you made it this far, I'm hoping that, as Kendi says, he wants to provoke thought, that I provoke, that story just provokes some thought in you. That you're thinking, I never thought of it like that. And if you haven't thought about it like that, or maybe I put you on edge a little bit, I hope you tune in to the next episode where I continue my discussion on Dr. Kendi's book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parents. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.